Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time. What time? High time to say, if you've got time to give this time your time, then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time on this time. Monkey tennis, please, please. Cook your eggs. Be safe. Be egg safe. Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? It falls to me to say he has gone. Monkey tennis? I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things... To all men. And all women. And everything in between. Monkey tennis? There's a subtle cock up there. Hello everyone and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast where we're doing a deep dive into each episode of this time's series two. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. There was an initial hesitancy about coming back to the Beeb after Emily Maitlist made Prince Andrew get a bit muddled up. Nick Older. The truth? You can't handle the truth. (gasps) (laughs) Tom Stav. Basically, if you've got traditional values on intimacy, you might want to pop the kettle on. <laughs> so we're going to be getting straight to the meat of the episode this week, uh, starting with a very pivotal chat about the royal family with producer Howard. Presumably, producer Howard is the E4 new producer, isn't he? That's the guy. Yes, yes, yes. And okay. I don't know if anyone clocked where he's from. Uh, I was able to do this with the use of mine eye rather than uh, IMDb. Go on. He is in. I'll give you a clue. Father Ted. Is that oh, the clue or the answer? He isn't Father Ted, so uh, that is a clue. He's in. He's a character in Father Ted. You're still, okay, you're looking at me uh, blank-faced, I'll tell you. It's um, Bishop Brennan's uh, sarcastic 
um, uh, sort of, I don't know if he's a father or what he exactly is, but he's, when, when Bishop Brennan comes over, he's got that uh, chat with him who's incredibly sarcastic. Right. He, that is, that is how oh, he's, okay. he's okay. the sort of, he's the sort of Dougal counterpart, isn't he? <laughs> yes. 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 Amazing. But he's like super sarcastic. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, there was an IMDb bombshell that I noticed. I can't now remember. I think this is one of the one of the actors that plays like a floor manager. So not not Howard, the producer that Alan talks to a lot in this series. But I think one of the floor managers in series one, not 100% sure if we've seen him in this series, uh, was one of the uh, main guys in Reservoir Dogs. What? Yeah. Wow. Like what? using one of the Mr. What? Pink, Mr. Brown, whatever. What? I can't quite remember. That's bizarre. So I guess one of the ones that gets killed quite early and you don't see a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, who wants to run us through Alan's royal liaison? Well, I quite, I, I quite like how um, this has kind of come to be. So Alan was the plus one of uh, Grant Shapps, uh, whose wife was annoyed because they'd agreed to go veggie for a month and then she found a receipt <laughs> for Byron Burger, which is just a, a lovely level of detail about someone in the Conservative Party, which is, which is absolutely brilliant. Something about Grant Shapps, because he gets mentioned a couple of times in this episode. You know the Conan podcast episode we talked about a few weeks ago? Mm. I'm sure in that interview... Coogan talked about the Partridge writing team not liking to use political people as reference points because they felt like it would date it. Whereas I feel there are some quite explicit kind of political reference points in this episode. So I just mm. thought that was quite an interesting contradiction there. Was it in that Conan thing or if I'm, was that from uh, something else? Yeah, it was. They definitely, he yeah. definitely, well, he definitely talked about the reference points because we mentioned this on last week's episode as well about Hamilton and Lewis Hamilton being fairly safe bets that wouldn't mm. date but Grant Shapps, <laughs> shake your ground. <laughs> Will Grant Shapps start, stand the test of time? That's what we're, that's what we're asking. We do not know. We quoted it in our introductions today, but there's a, a nice bit where apparently Princess Anne, she may want to be on this time, but there is sort of reluctance after Emily Maitland's made Prince Andrew get a bit muddled up, uh, which is not just a great line, but also a nice callback to Emily Maitland's real-life appearance in Series 1. Um, yeah. so that's yeah. a lot of fun. I, I think as well, just... Prince Andrew getting a bit muddled up was yeah. a very very nice turn of phrase there. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. obviously obviously we know from uh, the last episode of Mid Morning Matters series two. I think the royal episode. We know Alan is a staunch royalist, so mm-hmm. he would find any kind of way to kind of minimalise or trivialise the kind yeah. of uh, accusations around Prince it, Andrew in order to bene- save face for the monarchy. It's benefit of the doubt, isn't it? Basically, yeah. and he's had the Duchess of Stranra on Naomi Stranra. Nelly as well. <laughs> exactly <laughs> can't um, say Stranra without somebody doing that <laughs> I also like uh, this I, I like the narrative plot point in that undeniably getting a member of the royal family on this time is is such a huge coup that even a producer that's trying to steer it in more of an mm. E4 BBC3 direction wouldn't be able to turn it down and so it's almost like it's almost like wrestling the show back in into Alan's direction rather than the direction it was going in one query here though because Alan says to him you could be the producer that pulled off a royal coup, not the producer of a show where the lighting man fell to his death. Mm. So that did make me wonder, is this the new producer mm. or is this maybe an outgoing producer? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good point, actually, isn't it? I haven't considered that. This could be Possibly. the, uh, yeah, the, the, the I mean, one we're, I mean I to t- be fair, we're, we're going too deep into this because we're not even a minute into the show at this point. But, I mean, I, yeah. t- I took that to mean that, that this is the guy who's come from E4. Perhaps that's the reason he left E4 was that a lighting man fell to his death. But I, I think this is more, this is the new producer, but he's got a checkered past that he's trying to move away from. 
I don't know, getting a job from E4 up into the BBC, having been responsible for someone's death, potentially. Well, we're, living in, the AP, we're living in the APU where it was no yeah. barrier to Alan getting back on the, the interview, so you've talked about your strengths. What are your weaknesses? Um, <laughs> <laughs> someone died on my set. <laughs> yeah. uh, I it loved, may, of uh, course, also just mean that a, a lighting man fell to his death on the show not necessarily that it's that producer's yeah. fault. It's more of an associated yeah. this type of thing. Anyway, like I say, we're not even a minute we're, into the programme, so we'll yeah. probably move on. We'll, okay. we'll move on. I did enjoy, um, so we have a steel drum um, introduction. I don't know if anyone noticed yet, Alan's dancing, but he's kind of like, never, he's kind of grabbing. If you look at his hands, he's sort of grabbing. Yeah. He's got oh, this, yeah. He's yeah. Got this yeah. awkward awkward grab, and what um, <laughs> is brilliant, and obviously we'll come to this as we go uh, further through the episode, Jenny is <laughs> rooted to her seat. <laughs> Alan. Yeah. Alan stood up dancing. My notes just say that there's an extremely strong Theresa May Tory party conference vibe about the way Alan's dancing here. You've nailed that. You've nailed that. Um, I love his attempts to get Simon involved as well. Simon knows knows better than to be drawn down this road. He's doing absolutely minimal hip movements over the Mm. digital yeah, I think don't you hear don't you hear Alan say to Jenny? I thought you were going to get up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that comes a bit later, but yeah. I uh, it, also we're probably uh, uh, like ninety seconds, two minutes in, and we've already had a reference to Savile as well. So he's like, "How about that? How about that? How's about that?" Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the look on his face when he yeah. does that—it's the, like the panic. I feel like, yeah. There's a generation of men that that will do that impression out of muscle memory before they remember <laughs> yes, the implications. Yes. That's what's happened, isn't it? Yeah. Also, isn't this pretty much the same thing happens in Mid Morning Matter series too? He does an accidental savile as well. Yes, yes. That's when he does, like, the, uh, uh, he does the he does an impression does a of, an, of a yeah, car yeah, alarm or something. Just a Jimmy Savile then. <laughs> I got quite confused about Alan's overnight uh, plans. So yes. he saw this band when he stayed overnight in Camden for fun. Yes, can I but stop you there? What, Go on. What does that mean? Like staying overnight in Camden for fun? No there was something. There was, yeah, there was something in that that. I, I I wondered if it was an after work romance. Maybe, but Alan I think Partridge some kind of some kind of dirty liaison is what the implication yeah. is. Either yeah. that, or he's drinking WKDs down at Camden Ice Wolf. Uh, we've all done oh, that. God. We've all been yeah. there. <laughs> but but also, um, it's a nightly show, presumably. So, and and we know that he gets a car home with Lynn, whether she drives or not. So, are we to believe that he normally returns back to the Oast House in East Anglia every night? but that occasionally, for fun, he'll stay overnight in Camden and not bother to return home. Mm, I guess possibly. that's it. I, I Either feel way. like that's one of, those, one of those things in the APU where it just doesn't really scan and you have to kind of let it go because in reality, well, not reality, but he wouldn't be going to and from London and the Oast House in Norfolk like five nights a week, surely. I just don't think that would yeah. be... What he'd be doing. Either way, either way, the gold, the golden here is that um, he, the band were keeping him up. He told them to keep the noise down. They refused. Alan threatened to call the council. They said, "Go on then." <laughs> so he starts <laughs> filming them on his. So he starts filming them on his phone, um, and then it's at that point that you know he he enjoys their performance of Sunsplash, and then they get uh, invited onto the show. Uh, in his words, it, it, the sound went from a an abrasive clang clang pang to a more agreeable diddly pom pang, which is a crucial <laughs> so distinction. Um, yeah, so yeah, I didn't realise until this point that the theme to this time was called Sunsplash. I did try and look it up on Spotify, obviously. Uh, there are a few. Uh, I found a reggae Ad- Sunsplash. Adam, there, there are over 30. I yep. went through them all. I don't all know right. why I bothered. <laughs> I found a reggae Sunsplash on Spotify from Ninja Man. Would you like some fun facts about Ninja Man? Here's oh, yes. some fun facts about Ninja Man. 
Desmond John Ballantyne, better known as Ninja Man and sometimes as Don Gorgon, is a popular Jamaican dancehall DJ and actor, known for his controversial and pro-gun lyrics and his stuttering and melodramatic style. In 2017, he received a life sentence for murder. Lovely stuff. Did anybody clock Alan's, I think, fairly subtle racism where he basically has to double check that the band didn't steal the oil cans for their drums. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he doesn't say it outright, but it's just bubbling below the surface there. It's uh, The drums have been discarded when you acquired them, haven't they? <laughs> just, just, just have to check. <laughs> and then, of course, Simon's teeing up a great joke here, which Alan absolutely destroys in railroads. I didn't see it coming. The punchline. Did, did everyone see that before it you know, was kind of um, delivered? Oh, I, I must admit, I... Yeah, it feels like a joke that, you know, it's like a, a playground joke that you've heard a million times. But oh, I, it is, yeah. Yeah, oh, I yeah. wasn't it was with it. fresh to me as well. I quite I quite enjoyed it. Um, not only did Alan spoil it, but he also basically called it rubbish by saying, and I'm sure there'll be more good jokes from Simon yeah. later <laughs> on tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're celebrating Britain's greatest war heroes and unsung heroes as we go to Private Denton at the DigiWall. Don't worry, guys. I can tell you how many steps. 12 this week. Um, and we are, we find out that Simon's got um, brittle bones, um, which Alan's found out after he's had access to his medical records. And literally yeah. joking about it with a BBC doctor, which seems massively yes. unprofessional. Yeah. So are we to believe that Simon and Alan go to the doctors together? <laughs> I think it was a medical checkup f- uh, sanctioned by the BBC for the show. Right. I think okay. that was, I think that it was making sure they were okay to do stunts, etc. Yeah. Sticks in um, the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to gloss over the Nazi salute? Well, I mean, like, we're about, what, two minutes into the actual show? Four, and he's we're done we're the four minutes in. We're four minutes into the show. We've had a Nazi salute, nearly a second Nazi salute, and a Jimmy Savile impression. I would say fair play to Coogan and the Gibbons for pushing the boundaries with these gags, but also fair play to the BBC for actually letting them get away with it. I mean, the thing is, like... It's not exactly edgy comedy, is it? Like a Nazi salute and doing a Jimmy Savile impression in 2021 isn't exactly sort of, you know, like, ooh, like, I can't believe they got, like, it's a bit, it's a bit old hat, isn't it? It's not exactly the most cutting edge of acerbic comedy, is it? I think when it's 9.30 on BBC One, I think it is quite bold of the BBC to say, yeah, we're going to stand by you and let you make these gags. Obviously, the context of them makes sense in terms of, you know, they aren't, racist or whatever it's just kind of the, the joke is around like just the accidental idiocy but i still think the bbc you know the BB, the bbc commissioner putting a ticker across in a box to say yes you can make those jokes i think is quite bold by the bbc to go for that yeah i i see what you mean i i think it's an interesting one because i don't think they add huge amounts to the comedy themselves they're not overtly funny um but they are kind of like partridge isms where he will just uh, accidentally find himself suddenly doing a a Savile impersonation um, and just you know accidentally kind of most people wouldn't even reference the fact they just made a Nazi salute you kind of like downplay it but Alan calls himself out on these things that's Mm. that's where the jokes lie it isn't doing a Nazi salute isn't funny the fact he nearly did it and then referenced it and made it more of a thing than needed to be is what's funny and I think the Savile thing is hilarious because it's accidental and the way he reacts to it is what makes that funny but i think that the layer where i'm saying like the bbc are putting themselves open to criticism by letting them keep gags like that in the script because some viewers won't get the nuance of why those jokes are the jokes that they are do you see what i mean and that is what i'm saying is quite bold 
Yes, what's also bold is the generosity of a Liverpudlian businessman um, who has said that he will donate a kidney machine if Simon can sneak 12 Queen references into his segment. Here's a question. How long did it take each of you to work out that's what was going on? I think it was the second or third reference. Oh, as, soon as, ra- the, as soon as the bell rang, I knew he was trying to do something under the radar, but it took a few be- before I knew it was Queen songs. I think <laughs> yeah, it was Radio ha- Gaga for me. Yeah, how many yeah, does it take yeah, for Alan to get, though? <laughs> it's, about, it's about eight, seven or eight. Um, yeah. I like that Alan immediately is kind of saying, doing a charity appeal in a war section would be an editorial decision. And I wondered if that might be because he's just come from a Help for Heroes benefit where he could have offered that as a bit of sort of leverage for brand partridge but clearly didn't or didn't feel comfortable and meanwhile simon's just gone ahead and made it happen uh help for heroes benefit would argue been a lot more fitting in a war section than what is this it's for it's for a dialysis machine or something yeah yeah Hmm. so it's it's more that it's a missed opportunity for alan and he's quite bitter about it i think did you guys spot the uh mini alan on the map here no so he's it's basically in, in the style i'd have to try and describe this in audio form basically in the style of that um your country needs you like pointing army recruitment poster right. so alan's got like a little kind of like cap on and he's pointing <laughs> like that Brilliant. so i think he's referred to as the the lord kitchener wants you poster if you if you if you look up that so there, there's little tiny alan's on the map of that style which i thought was quite a nice little gag which isn't immediate just before uh, Lynn enters for the first time this episode, I thought it was notable that Alan <laughs> claims Britain's got a drug problem, but crucially, the problem needs to sort itself out, which, <laughs> to be fair to him, is a solution I've never heard suggested before. Just <laughs> it should, it, let the problem sort itself out. Uh, and then here's Lynn with some great slash terrible news. So is this the, the bombshell that she's overheard uh, Jenny's PA say that Jenny and Sam have split up? Yes, although I like Alan's guesswork before she gets to yes. that, where he says, uh, you yeah. look chuffed. Have you finished another word search book? Yeah. He's like, better than that. <laughs> Not the big jigsaw. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also I, when she says, yeah. sorry, when she yeah. says, what's been keeping you up at night? And he's like, well, the owl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has anyone got a note of um, how generous Alan is towards Lynn at this point? <laughs> yes, but go on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically Saturday afternoon off, which he then kind of, almost instantaneously uh, downplays was like but I will need you back by four o'clock it's on a Saturday back by four o'clock <laughs> yeah the, the three pronged reveal that she already works all the Saturdays that she's only been given a half day and then he needs her back by four it's a, a lovely triple threat yeah. he's basically give, he's has literally given her four hours off for delivering good news on a weekend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Lynn I was just going to say, I just absolutely love this sequence, much like with last week. I love seeing these two together, particularly in moments like this when they're kind of being conspiratorial and united against the people they see as Alan's enemies. So I just think so far in the series, these bits with Lynn have been so fleeting, but so good. It's like j- just the way they interact with each other, I think is fantastic. It's really wonderful, isn't it? And it's, and it's basically her either dispatching good or bad news. And Alan's reactions mm. to either is hilarious, but um, I do love his giddiness when he gets something that goes his way because it's so rare, but also he's so explicit about it. So in this one, it's get lost Lynn. I am now in a very, very good mood. <laughs> and that really reminded me of um, there's an episode in series one where he comes on and he's like, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a bit like um, things like Chris Feather. He, he, 
he likes me and stuff like that, isn't it? Like the mm. reaction to good news. It's great. Yeah, it's time for Alan to put on his sensitive face uh, and go and <laughs> have a chat to Jenny before they're back on air. Um, <laughs> I love his uh, guesswork as to why the uh, the breakups happened. What did he do? Kiss your best friend. Was it the chat lines? Yeah, the, <laughs> the chat, chat lines. lines. <laughs> it's 2021. I, yeah. I missed the chat lines bit. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed that Alan kind of reinforces how unsuitable Sam is in three key ways. One, his eyes are too thin. Two, Etonians aren't modest. And I thought that's also a nice little Coogan yes, Alan no reference at the expense of other famous Etonians. Um, and also, <laughs> basically, I think there's also a thing where he's just reinforcing like how upper class Sam is because he call- at the end he calls him Samuel Peregrine ptolemy chatwin so i think just really ramming that home with uh jenny because i think that's maybe a bit of a bone of contention between the two of them already i thought it was interesting as well that there's a real noticeable break here from jenny's presenting voice and demeanor like everything else on or off air there's a level of professionalism and here it feels like you're getting the real her for the first time Mm. yeah i think i think that's a really good spot and again i think it's kind of kudos to um susanna fielding's brilliant acting throughout this series and i mean you know we saw how brilliant she was in the first series but yeah just the way she interacts with alan is kind of so believable and it is kind of like switching on that presenter mode and switching it off um yeah i think we haven't really talked much about how great she is as an actress in this series so far but she's fantastic i think um so we're on the sofa ever so briefly uh, taking views from uh viewers about tackling drugs uh man they've had a full gamut of responses from mandatory door-to-door drug tests to school visits from shane mcgowan Uh, (laughs) i quite like the viewers of this time i think they've got quite a good sense of humor Uh, do you think this is kind of um this is where they're kind of mocking i guess the way that modern tv has been kind of democratized with the nature of vox pops and light chat shows like this so it's almost you know when they like oh send us in your photos of the weather that sort of thing and it also reminded me of just i just in my in my head was speak your brain yeah i was gonna say is it speak (laughs) your brain yeah 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 it's absolutely the letter of the law what is it J. J. yeah (laughs) it's absolutely that kind of yeah any shit opinions will be kind of tolerated and amplified because we need content yeah and validated by being broadcast on bbc one basically yeah 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 um, and so uh, they briefly refer to Janet Dignan, who's written in to complain that they've been using too many split infinitives. It's it's a basic joke, but it works. Alan then goes on to use four in a row, uh, including <laughs> a really messy one at the end that barely makes any sense. Oh, can we go through the list? Because I think I've got I think I've got five here. Oh, it might be five. You go for it. I don't have but the list I, with me. But I, I would say <laughs> for this, for me, this was a bit of an educational journey because I wasn't one hundred percent sure what a split infinitive name so i did have to double check it so then like listening to it was like right okay mm. so to truly have it out to never have again to hopefully find out to thereby put and then the last one which is very mangled to in some small way help <laughs> so i think there are five in a row that he does brilliant but, um, yeah i had to educate yeah. myself on basic Gr- english there. grammatical pedantry is sometimes where uh, lots of the humor lies this isn't they'll often kind of play with um with with grammatical uh, gags throughout through throughout partridge which i'm always here for although i thought there was one interesting point he seems quite annoyed about this where 
I would say it'd be more consistent mm. with the character that he's on board with this. Yeah, you're right, actually. I hadn't really thought of that, but he's often correcting other people on mm. their grammar rather than taking on criticism from uh, other people. I yeah. suspect that he fully understands uh, mm. the issue. He doesn't yeah. think it's a big deal, and so he's using his own grammatical knowledge to deliberately wind her up by putting five in a row. Yes, I think that's exactly that it. Must be it. We, we, we've I, solved it. It's that. <laughs> well, I think also reading about it, I think there are basically two schools of thought of we- on whether split infinitives are bad or, or good. So yes. I think, yeah, opposing it, it, views. Yeah, exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of detective work, uh, Tiff is on the scene uh, talking about the prospect of her and Alan as a detective duo. Although first she says that she spots he's been going to the gym. Um, this is slightly confusing. Takes a bit of working out here because she saw his trunks drying on the radiator. So firstly, he's drying his trunks on radiators around the BBC. That's gross. Uh, or, or in his dressing room, which is still bad. Uh, secondly, trunks in a gym. Does this presumably there's a pool, and does this mean he can now swim competently? Because we know he struggled in the past. It doesn't um, mean he can swim competently, yeah, but it okay. means he can get in a swimming pool. Also, I know that she she probably means this is a flirty compliment, but if you can only tell that he's been going to the gym from the trunks being on the radiator, not his physique, then surely that tells yeah. you something as well. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, I don't think she is flirting. Well, badly flirting because she's buttering him up for some reason. Some nefarious you're, reason. You're, you're determined that, that Tiff has purely got a sinister uh, I don't trust her. Him, I don't trust yeah. her, Tom. Don't trust her one bit. Why Why can't she just like Alan for the man that he... Oh, no, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Is it because you saw her in that documentary where she was a vampire? Has that yeah, made I think you that not trust her? Yeah, 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 that's it. Oh, this is this is a crossover, isn't it? <laughs> so when Alan says, Alan says he could do with uh, with an extra pair of eyes because Linda's are going milky, which <laughs> made me feel really sad. And so, and so then they're kind of cooking up names for detective uh, duos that they could be. She offers him a powder and comb. He mistakes that for the name of Detective Geo. It's all very straightforward. Um, but I did like that he imagines Anna Friel as playing D.I. Beth Comb because Anna Friel did play Beth in Brookside. Ah, God, nice. I would never have remembered that. No. Oh, I had, I had to look it up. <laughs> uh, is it time to talk chemsex? Uh, it, almost, and I, I ha- far you can't from wait me, to talk about it. Far be it for me to delay a section on chemsex, but um, I did like that for Alan to remind himself of this detective idea. He writes it down with her eyeliner, but clearly, what ends up happening yes, is he's just yes. written ITV in massive yeah. letters on, yeah. on his BBC call sheet, which is bound to ring some <laughs> yeah. alarm bells. Uh, and the fact that she doesn't take it away and he has to leave it on the sofa as well because like he does a double take because she has to scuttle away and he's left with the pad with ITV that he just leaves on the sofa next to him oh you know what that could have been quite a there could have been a fun payoff there with somebody finding his call sheet with itv written on it like he could have got in trouble somehow or people think he's trying to get a job at itv don't know but that didn't transpire never go work at itv be real maybe they've made him an offer he can't refuse (laughs) i mean they haven't it doesn't matter chemsex let's talk about it there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the idea of uh, a magazine-style show like The One Show or this time uh, discussing chemsex. That in and of itself I thought was was brilliant. Um, and Alan's kind of like uh, very short introduction film where you kind of see him like gazing around, um, I also really enjoyed. And then his explanation of chemsex where he has to draw it in chalk on the floor through the medium of a Venn diagram where essentially saying there are two things that kind of work well together and he has to give us a list of five other things that work well together just to really kind of super like labor that point as to what you know what chemsex actually is and what it means um so alan that one of those things is charles and camilla rather than diana as well love that. <laughs> yeah and yawning and scratching yep brilliant <laughs> um i also like just before that when they're talking about that this is part of a kind of continuing series of of exposés where they go into kind of the seedy underworld of whatever um but the other examples they've got are that jenny went after an unlicensed market stall which sounds like barely a story at all <laughs> yeah. uh, and next week oh this i think it would have been the other way around chemsex would have been next week but because they're still getting alan's expose of bare knuckle boxing amongst the irish traveler community subtitled that's had to wait <laughs> till next week and so chemsex has been brought forward Oh, that's that's a gag that that subtitles gag went over my head as well. I didn't like yeah, that. That I is like, brilliant. I like that. I like that a lot. I also like the fact that when Alan is describing other uh, the the the, um, the drugs used for chemsex parties, it says ketamine and it's a picture of a dead horse. Is the is the reference? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed in the voiceover um, when he's wandering around Soho that they say add some reverb and slow mo, and its sinister side soon becomes apparent, <laughs> like making fun of the way that shows like yeah. slow down the footage and make it black and white. Oh, but that's exactly like the the black and white zooming thing on uh, Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's exactly what they did in episode uh, episode two. Um, before we delve into the content of this VT piece, I was going to say, much like Nick, I really enjoyed the concept of quite a light magazine show covering a topic such as chemsex because it's so inappropriate. But for me, I thought there was a nice gag where the way Alan was teeing this up, I thought, okay, this is going to be one of those VTs they talk about, but they don't show, and then they cut away to whatever's happening in the studio. So I was actually really surprised that this was one of the actual VTs that existed. Two little things, again, just before we dive straight, d- dive in, so to speak, is uh, the chemsex bubble writing I enjoyed as well. And, uh, yes, and that he signed it. That he signed it at the bottom as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, very, very good. Uh, and also, Steve is very good at drawing circles for yes. his hand. <laughs> uh, is it time to meet Dr. Braj? I'm just a pharmacist, Prasand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Um, yes, a, a couple of maybe slightly silly things here. Alan tries mm. to get... Dr. Raj to uh, to describe it as meow meow because he likes to say that um, and also the bit where Alan mistakes you're going to play guinea pig for thinking that that's like a gay sex term uh, I thought was a bit silly and a, and a bit of an obvious gag 
Yeah, I think the exchange that he has here reminded me of when he tries to sort of discover what silence is at the monastery. Like that that interview that he has with kind of the spokesperson of the monastery, I, I thought was on a similar level to this, where it's quite funny, but it, it it's borderline stupid. Whereas a lot of the Alan humor is quite smart, but this is actually just a little bit daft. At least they're not above uh, doing a uh, a wonky eye joke. <laughs> yeah i did i did feel in the apu that we've seen this before haven't we this kind of yeah. like oh i'm doing an experimental drug oh it's had no effect it clearly yeah. has like that's we've seen that before yeah but i think this the whole thing because you have the party sequence that follows this that felt very much like a retread of him doing an e in scissor dial yeah. didn't it mm, that's the yeah thing. an ecstasy um, pellet yeah, I was going to say, did you guys spot, you know, there's that large mirror that he puts his face mm. through, like, um, towards the end of the Doctor sequence. I was going to say, I saw that on the side table. I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to get a big Alan face in that at some point. So <laughs> that, that paid off. He's then on to the party. Uh, he won't name the area he goes to in order to protect house <laughs> prices, which I thought was very <laughs> considerate of him. Um, but I liked his uh, his style of really eliciting some honest responses yeah. from people by walking around going, BBC television, who here likes chemsex? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is also brilliant as well, where he just walks into the kitchen and starts to basically have a conversation with someone from Holistic Media that he met at some summer drinks. And rather than talk about chemsex, they kind of get bogged down in to uh, the practicalities of uh, an FM license versus DAB um, and the way that you kind of best keep a listener's attention in 2021. I thought this was brilliant, this bit. I thought there's a nice bit of art imitating life all the other way around when he uh, he goes over to the guy from, uh, from, from local radio and says, do I know you? And I think probably a lot of the audience are thinking that at the same moment. Uh, presumably, we all recognised that this was... Dan Skinner, Dan Skinner, a.k.a. Angelos Epithemu from Shooting Stars. I was really hoping this was going to be one of the links to the Oast House, because I don't know if you remember, there's a bit in one of the Oast House episodes where Alan talks about how Lynn's nephew has just gotten into chemsex. So I was really mm. hoping that this person that he met was going to end up being Lynn's nephew. Sadly not, but... Um, Maybe he was at the party, mm. but just not on screen. It, I did. I, it's kind of like it's sort of over before it, it starts that that scene, isn't it? Like they obviously have the 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 discussion and the exchange in the party, and then it cut cuts to them um, kind of you know on the top of a hill and talking the night away. But I was sort of expecting that to kind of go somewhere a little further than it did. It, it's over fairly quickly, and um, you know it's obviously a small part, and that's fine. But I, I thought there might be a bit more to it. Yeah, I mean, were you expecting Alan to basically participate at some point? Yeah, I sort of felt like, you know, even even the sort of prison, uh, as an example, like that prison one at the end had, had a bit of closure where he says, you know, the prison system is, is broadly fine and much like Nero <laughs> Costa, blah, 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 blah. I felt like that, that scene kind of, it felt like quite rich territory for quite a lot of humour in the kind of idea of chemsex and... I don't think it felt like it was fully utilised. Um, it started well, and I, I just thought it was over quite quickly, and I, I did expect a little bit more from that scene. Um, one thing to note that I, I, I should have checked, I haven't done that, but I do believe, my limited knowledge of, of radio licensing, that all of those Ofcom loopholes they mentioned are completely real. Um, yeah. And also, I thought it's a nice nod um, that they say, you know, only if you broadcast local news on the hour, which I thought was potentially a nice <laughs> nod back to early days, Alan. Um, also thought obviously uh, he talks about not being able to get much information out of people because of his style of saying BBC television who here likes chemsex but presumably he's also got an absolutely gigantic cameraman behind him too so <laughs> surely yeah. that's one of the reasons that no one's really talking um, 
although I, I did really, really like this section, it's not, you know, laugh out loud hilarious like a lot of the VTs, but I just always like it when Alan finds a kindred spirit. So, um, mm. you know, he obviously finds this guy who, who he can talk to on a really sort of detailed level about the ins and outs of local radio. Um, it's always nice to see because, you know, Alan is often sort of um, pushed to the sidelines quite often when 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 uh, in in, in uh, scenes and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's it's nice when he finds a buddy, although, you know, he does hoof all his drugs and end up talking to him about the M25 or something like that on a hill until the early morning. But, um, yeah. And whilst I won't keep in touch, um, but yeah, it's it's still nice when Alan finds someone that he can get on with and have a chat with because, you know, he's quite lonely. I would say it, it makes me wonder if there's anything on the cutting room floor from this because, like you were saying, it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it's it feels like this whole sequence is over before it's started. So there just, there isn't like, there isn't a great kind of punchline or a great narrative payoff, really. Mm. And again, just to... <laughs> Not to uh, wage more negativity on this, but again, for me, much like last week, it's it's a VT sequence that I just felt a bit disappointed in, in terms of, I think sometimes Alan goes off and does some kind of VT piece, and it's Labour gags, and it feels very worthwhile. This has felt a bit weak again. Mm. Yep, I would agree. Um, so, back on the sofa... Uh, Jenny's lip goes, I notice, at the line from Alan, London to Aberdeen with a permanent erection. Yes, um, I noticed that as well, yeah. yeah. Um, now, this it's just is a probably... vulgar way to drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. This is probably uh, the point, I think, in this series where I'm most likely to have missed the joke, but the bit about uh, sheltering Jewish women in Putney, did anyone else have mm. any notes on this? I couldn't quite work out what the reference was. Yeah, same. Is, is, is he describing kidnapping? Because uh, I think Alan's incredulous that this happened in Putney and that mm. that doesn't seem accurate. Or is it that the tweeter's dad just lied to sound like a hero? I wasn't quite sure whether, whether this is a specific <clears throat> reference. Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of with you. I wasn't 100% sure, but it's the thing about... Because you there's obviously something to it because you hear Alan audibly say Putney and it seems to be the reference to a basement that makes him really quiz yes. yes. I don't know if the joke yeah. is just just because this is they're talking about sheltering in Putney in London whereas should this be referenced like in Europe or something I, I don't know I I feel like there is a bit of detail that yeah. we've missed if someone, right. if is, someone is, at is home some can fill us in Yes. Is there some kind of notorious kidnapper or criminal who, who kept Jewish women in a basement in Putney that we are completely oblivious to? Uh, at gmail.com. please do fill us in whether the news is tragic or funny. <laughs> um, also, like that Alan agrees that giving out too many badges for heroism devalues the system. Uh, and his example of this is that he had to return his Blue Peter badge because a dog was given one. Uh, question to the group. <laughs> Anyone ever get a Blue Peter badge? No, yep. but we know you do. <laughs> I, I think I think Adam and Tom Dark are absolutely rife for Blue Peter badgery. I got well, the mine, uh, mine, I got mine, the green kind of environmental invalid. one. So did you actually set? I mean, absolute clang here. But I mean, I oh, got you've mine stolen for, one off set, have you? Are you tight? Are you tight with the dog? Take, taken me. one off a dog's collar. I wouldn't say stolen. Why have you said? I've not un, said stolen. Unearned. Why have you said? <laughs> have you not even done a good deed to earn your Blue Peter badge? <laughs> All right, this I'll, is I'll devaluing I'll the whole system. Did. I'll tell you what I did, Adam, and I'll let you be the judge if it's, if it's a good deed or not. I got Jason Derulo on Blue Peter. So Jesus Christ. And that's what yeah. they give a badge out for now, is it? I oh, mean, they'll literally God. give it to anyone. They devalued to, it. I had to draw a poster about the water cycle. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending no, mine back. Yeah, apparently just getting, a, is invalid. just getting a pop star on TV will, will get you one. Ridiculous. 
<laughs> deep on the deep on yeah. the BBC. <laughs> yeah. I think I think what you need to do to 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 write, to write this wrong is you need to go and get Jason Derulo to restore a Victorian folly with thirteen yes. young offenders. Yes. The only way. Now now that is a TV show that I would like to see happen. Yeah. Commissioned. How, but how old were they? Did we get uh, get how old they were? Thirteen, 13. years old. Yeah, they're all thirteen. They're all thirteen. Yep. The same age as Alan at the time. <laughs> so he's basically the patrol leader in that situation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a baffling one though. I I I well, I mean, it's funny in and of itself, but it did seem like an odd story that doesn't really have much context, just that he built a folly and somehow was able to get <laughs> twenty young offenders to help him out. Like there's no context to it, it's just out there and then we've moved on from it. Yeah, suddenly it's time for drama therapy with Izzy Barnes. Yeah, don't, exactly. don't worry about that last bit. It's it's another mention of Victorian Follies as well, which yeah. obviously also featured in the Oast House. So I do I yeah. do feel like there are definitely a few things in the ether in the writing room that have been carried through a couple of projects at the same <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> I the, I mean I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll all agree and talk about it uh, extensively. But the this whole scene with Izzy Barnes is brilliant. Um, I would kick things off by saying, obviously, Izzy Barnes is a is a voice coach. They, you know, talk about um, uh, Margaret Thatcher, who you know had a had a voice coach. Um, what I really like though is uh, Izzy refers to her as Margaret Margaret Thatcher. Alan refers to her as Lady Thatcher. Much more reverie for uh, <laughs> for mm. for old Maggie. Uh, he does say that she goes from being the sort of woman who wouldn't let you have your ball back to the backdraft from a furnace. So yes, perhaps a less respectful there. Yes, and uh, Alan does know for a fact that Jacob Rees-Mogg had a poster of Lady Thatcher on his bedroom wall. Sorry, ceiling. ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, that's but great also, the, the second kind of well, I guess including Thatcher, the third overt reference to a politician in this episode, which Coogan said he wouldn't do. <laughs> I would say. I don't know about you guys, but I think this is possibly the weakest section of the entire series so far. Are you, are oh. you kidding? I think this is the best. Yeah, this drama I, bit does I'm, absolutely nothing for me, really. I, the, bit, the, bit, the bit where Alan's acting, I love. The rest of yes. it, I could take or leave. Yeah, oh, the, the, bit, the, the bit that really made me laugh was the don't overthink it bit. That really yes. made me laugh. Mm. But the rest of it was just, was not, didn't do very much for oh. me. I, I think there's quite a lot to dive into here, regardless. Yes. I'll just say I'm with you on this stab and actually to back up more negativity from me compared to episode three this is currently my least favorite of the series so episode three has gone up in the rankings yeah this is basically fourth place I think it's mine as well I think there's there's a lot going on before we get to the actual uh, role play um maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think Jenny is trying to build rapport with the guests to kind of sort of outdo Alan a little bit. Um, And I think she might have assumed that Izzy is either bi or gay and is trying to build rapport with her because she keeps talking about how attractive she finds it when women have deeper voices. Um, And there's also a bit where um, they're talking about what kind of situations can drama therapy help with. And she says marital strife, workplace disagreements and psychological trauma, to which I thought that's Jenny, Jenny and Jenny, isn't it? (laughs) So suddenly you notice Jenny become much more invested in this piece once she hears that it can help with basically all of the problems that she's currently having. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting when Simon uh, pipes up with some sort of fairly intellectual comments to which Alan just blusters over it going, it's all Greek to me, which is an absolutely classic thing for middle-aged men to say to cover their own thickness, isn't it? Anytime someone says something smart that you don't understand, it's all Greek to me. But it's not that though, he's he's stealing the punchline from Simon like he did with the stand at the back and ting. So Simon said, hubris, nemesis, catharsis. Oh, you thought he was about to say it's all Greek to me? Yeah. Oh right! I see. I I thought he was just he was just quoting 
just to quote it. Um, yeah, but uh, I think yeah. knowing Simon because he he's always trying to put gags in. I think this is just the second time we're seeing Alan stealing the punchline off him before he gets to it. Uh, I see. I thought this was Simon just actually putting in a smart comment, and then Alan can't top it, so he just makes that joke. So Daniel and Louise are on the seed. Yes, um, I I think we should. Uh, so obviously Daniel and Louise are t- two actors. Um, performing uh, role play um, but I do think we should just touch on the fact that uh, Alan um, is an actor an amateur actor um, with the North Norfolk players um, <laughs> where he played the Jack Nicholson role in A Few Good Men which <laughs> I mean based on the one line that he kind of uh, he delivers I-, I would absolutely love to see that play also if anyone like a few good men the play is just a thing that doesn't make any sense let alone being performed in norfolk <laughs> yeah. i also love that he uh, he puts himself on the same level as jack nicholson by saying that he was a tough act to follow as if these are both equal yeah. status productions of a few good men uh, i'm surprised uh, i'm surprised he managed to get that one over the line because it was uh, a time goes by as time goes by that he couldn't uh, get the rights for to yes. perform as the north mm. norfolk play and also that he mm. managed to get a cast together because again in 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 the in from the oast house he couldn't get a good cast together because obviously yeah. he is a terrible director and just generally awful so i'm surprised he managed to get enough people to do a few good men with him this is what i thought about when he's, he's talking about north norfolk players i thought well then what's happened to pear tree playhouse uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> presumably yeah, did he try did he try and sort of splinter off from the north norfolk players with his own thing <laughs> and then he's had to sort of come back tail between his legs but at least he gets the jack nicholson role in a few good yeah. men the, the, the play so can we talk about alan um uh, joining in with uh, Daniel and Louise's uh, scene. Yes. Uh, to be fair to Daniel and Louise, they did get eight sentences in before Alan decides yeah. to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he kind of like inter- interjects essentially, doesn't he? And then he's, he's like, you know, y- you go for it. Um, and so Daniel is kind of substituted out um, for Alan. Um, and then you can, you can kind of, I mean, I kind of saw what was happening coming away off but I still thought it was brilliant and very very funny what I'll say is like I'm not a huge fan of this section in general but two things that I did like one the bit where he's about to start and she says don't overthink it that's very funny and also what basically transcends into all the things that he's ever wanted to say to Carol but never had the guts to actually say yeah exactly um so I mean he puts on a pretty ridiculous accent for one he seems to oh. have suddenly pitched himself as some kind of southern <laughs> American yeah. his so, opening I, line of like hey baby girl just been out yeah. of my bike you know motor-. and also the way he calls it motorcycling like if you actually were if you actually love bikes you wouldn't say you know motorcycling's important yeah. to me love it. it it struck me that I I think Alan is imagining himself as some kind of James Dean type yes. rebel without a cause figure yeah. here yeah 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 she's like he comes in and goes, mm, smells good she goes I was just back by August. didn't mean the dinner <laughs> It's just ridiculous. And yeah. Um, what is also brilliant about that, hey, baby girl, just uh, been out of my bike, most cycling is important to me, is they cut to Simon, and Simon's expression says more than I could ever sum up if I could talk for hours. Like, his expression is one of confusion, bafflement, and just probably enjoying watching this man dig his own grave. I wonder how many of the lines that Alan uses have also appeared in the scripts for Swallow or or, or Hannigan. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, what's the full title for that again? I can never remember it. A glowering oh, glass blows or something. this way comes. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it. Uh, oh, and then, and then, well, Izzy at this point basically has to step in and just go, 
probably just lose the accent and pretend it's your actual wife so they just kind of sit down uh, and alan basically apologizes for the fact that god didn't give his wife any talent um at which point izzy steps in and says to stop and alan goes that, that felt good <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't work out when she says, uh, "Imagine it's your actual wife." Whether he is now married, and we just haven't heard about it. I, I guess, I guess, probably not. No. Um, nah. But no. if not, if not, then this is—he's imagining a conversation with Carol from it's Carol, knowing me, knowing you, era Partridge. So presumably, he was neglecting her to hang around the BBC, and that's where this kind of this imagined yes. conversation came from. Enter Lynn. Yes. Enter Lynn. I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't quite catch who she says has been done by the Inland Revenue, because obviously Alan says, well, oh, yeah. it, it works. It's Greville, Mer- it's Greville well, Merchant. Well, well done, Lynn. Um, it's, uh, it's Greville Merchant who's referenced in series one of this time um, with Alan Partridge in a very like, in a very kind of passing way, a bit like we hear from uh, Daryl Flench. I'd say he is filed under Daryl Flench, of a, ne- <laughs> a name that we repeatedly hear with very little detail about who he is. So it's like Greville Merchant. We don't know who he is. Daryl Flench. Who is he? But these are names that are repeated throughout. So that's who she references. So I feel like Daryl Flench is a lot more embedded. I, I know who that is in, re- in in reference to Alan. But yeah, that- in- that's interesting though. Like it's such a fleeting reference. I wonder. Yeah, he's in this I, time I series one. Like yeah, so I wonder if something like that is is that going to tie into a bit more of a story arc somewhere else down the line? I, no, could, I don't he, think could so. he become the new Peak Abatas? Yeah, it's, 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 it's these names that you don't you don't really know anything about, but they're just kind of repeated mm. once a series, very fleetingly. Mm. Um, so we got a nice bit of interaction between Lynn and Jenny, which I don't, well, has never happened in any real way. It's only ever been sort of introductions before, um, where Lynn's calling Sam a big head, cocky, smarmy, and slippery. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like Adam and his eyes are too thin. And his eyes are too thin. So, which is also <laughs> nice because it's telling that they've, she's obviously been discussing it with Alan, yeah. that they've got the same opinion about his eyes. Um, yeah. and there's a sentence that she starts that is clearly supposed to go a different way, which is like, I wouldn't worry someday someone will and I, I figured the natural ending of that line is you know sweep you off your feet or something sweet like that but she's like I wouldn't worry someday someone will wipe the smile off his face and I thought <laughs> yeah. that's so that's so yes. well, well I, lo- I love that it's kind of you know how we talk we refer to Lynn as being dark Lynn quite mm. a lot in the first series now in this series I don't think we're quite getting the same thing however there are some nice kind of hints of her being quite streetwise and a bit threatening and a bit violent if needs be which i think is quite funny talking about like a snooker ball in a sock and we also get the thing about her wringing the neck of an injured pheasant in a mm. minute as well yeah who may turn um, out to have not been injured in the first place <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I did think um i hadn't i hadn't really thought about it until you were just saying i guess we've never really seen lynn and jenny have like a long-form conversation no. up until this point i don't mm. think and i i felt like it feels to me like Jenny is genuinely keen to get Lynn's thoughts on Sam to have a bit of a female perspective. And she's perhaps expecting a point of view that is going to be quite different to Alan's because she obviously knows that Alan isn't a fan of Sam. So I'd imagine she was perhaps a bit wrong footed by Lynn essentially yeah. having exactly the same views as Alan. Little does she know Partridge and Benfield speak with one voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, also like, I think, I think the, the real gold in the uh, pheasant story is that Lynn does the sign of the cross after wringing the, the pheasant's <laughs> neck. Yeah. And it was all over in under 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> 
So good. I like to imagine in my mind the silence in the car journey as soon as you <laughs> shut the door and they drove on again. Uh, so it's time to uh, bring Sam Chatwin back into the mix, isn't it? Uh, a man who needs no introduction, Sam Chatwin. <laughs> yeah. a, a very sweaty Sam Chatwin there. Yeah. I love I love the pointed comments and the sort of passive aggression here. I think this is really cleverly done. Uh, my favourite bit was just when, when towards the end when he just goes, wow, that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a nice point of unity for Alan and Jenny because yeah, we know Alan yeah. hates Sam already we know that Jenny's obviously not too enamoured with him at this point so it, it's a it's a rare moment where they can be united so actually Tom has your predictor partridge just come true bum 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 it has bombshell yeah good and on that bombshell <laughs> thanks for pointing that out because I hadn't spotted it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally occurred to me right now as well not even in my notes brilliant what and, do I win uh, Nothing. Uh, Not even respect. What I've always wanted. There's a very nice uh, end of episode callback here as well when uh, when the, the link's over and uh, Alan goes, a very sweaty Sam Chatwin there. Not sure whether that's because he was in Egypt or for some reason he was under pressure. And that's Queen song number 12. Uh, they've yeah. got the, the, the kidney machine, the machine, I think. But what I like was... Um, I'd I'd forgotten about it by that point. I think when mm. they when they were teeing mm. it up earlier, I thought we're going to get that twelfth queen song. I thought what would happen is Alan would interrupt the next link when he thought of a twelfth queen song. Yes. But but yeah. they, once again, they've confounded our expectations. I'd forgotten that whole queen thing was happening until this came in, and it reminded me a lot about the of the uh, shuttlecock, shuttlecock gag in series yeah. one, where you completely forget that there's a shuttlecock. He's like, oh, there's a shuttlecock up there, and that's the end of the episode. Much like this is the end of yeah. this episode. Yeah. So is it time to share our concluding thoughts then? Uh, yes, I mean, I enjoyed it again. I think this series has been consistently strong. I do agree that there is a tendency for the VT pieces to be a bit underwhelming. Um, I like that they've mixed it up a little bit more. You don't have Ruth in every episode. You have a smattering of Lynn. Um, Simon is kind of starting to get a bit more mobile as well. He's you know he's he's, he's turning up on the sofa. He's he's not just confined to the digi wall, and his mistakes are getting a little bit more elaborate. Um, so I really like the way it's developing, and I think this is, yeah, basically more of a good thing. Yeah, I would um, say that I, I really enjoyed this episode, and I kind of appreciate that probably the, well, episode three is maybe technically better in terms of its writing, um, but I think that final scene just really uh, pipped it um, for me. It's probably a bit stupid. Stupid is not the word. It's probably just a dafter episode, um, but I like that, and I found this episode really, really enjoyable. Although I would echo, and I think we're on the same page with this as a group, the point around the VT. But otherwise, very enjoyable. I think I think daft is a very good word to use. This this episode feels a little bit more um, absent from quote unquote reality, but um, obviously, you know, it, perfectly believable in the APU. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier probably my least favorite of the series so far but still loads to enjoy in it still lots of laughs and yeah really pleased and happy that the series is going at such a consistently good uh rate and the quality of writing is just so good like the little nuances and little things that you you know don't necessarily spot first time round. I'm just really enjoying it. I just, I love this universe that the Gibbons have built and I love this idea and this concept. Um, like I say, even the VTs, while not hilarious, are still very, you know, that they're not terrible. They're not, you know, completely void of laughs. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's going great guns. I, I think for me, I'm just kind of making the point in terms of enjoying this episode, probably the least of the four so far. 
and then probably the previous weeks being the worst two out of the four. I think I'm deliberately being quite harsh on it because, you know, broadly, yes, I'm really enjoying these shows. So I think it is just kind of if I'm having to rank, well, what have I enjoyed more out of the four? Um, but yeah, I think this one in particular, it just, I mean, it's it's early, it's an early call to make, but it's, it just didn't really feel like a classic to me. Like, I'm not sure how much of this is going to feel like memorable moments or memorable lines whereas i think over the past few weeks i feel like we've already had sequences that feel like they're going to become like like more memorable classic moments and so yeah even though i was a bit down on episode three i'm definitely more down on this one that particularly vt piece is not really working that well however the lynn and alan moments are absolute gold and i do feel like this episode has probably done some quite important narrative work with jenny and sam splitting so it'll be interesting to see if this builds a bond between Alan and Jenny further, so whether in the kind of narrative arc of the series, this is going to be quite a pivotal episode. Uh, super. So that's our thoughts on episode four. We'd of course love to know what you thought of it and whether you spotted anything that we didn't, whether you know a bit more about these uh, Jewish women in this Putney basement. Um, you can get in touch with us, leave a voice note on the Monkey Tennis hotline 07923 uh, On Instagram, we're at Monkey Tennis Pod. On Twitter, at The Partridge Pod. Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod. Email us at thepartridgepod at gmail.com. Or if you've enjoyed what you've heard for free uh, and would like to drop us a donation, then please do ko fi.com slash Monkey Tennis. Anything that you could generously give helps us to keep making monkey tennis for years to come um <laughs> we'll be back next week covering the penultimate episode of series two of this time but thanks so much for joining us on monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye wow that was bollocks it's that time what time high time to say if you've got time to give this time your time then it's time to let this time spend time making your time a good time on this time monkey tennis please please Cook your eggs. Be safe. Be egg safe. Monkey tennis? Well, have a glass of water, please. It falls to me to say he has gone. Monkey tennis? I said I'd find out more. I haven't done that. Pay for dinner, yeah? Monkey tennis? I said, who the hell is that? That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Monkey tennis? There is broad agreement that John was good. Tommy, join me at the lady. The show that promises to be all things... To all men. To all women. And everything in between. Monkey tennis? There's a subtle cock up there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.